This is December 14th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome back into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. Hopefully enjoying the Christmas season or the holiday season, whatever you celebrate, enjoying it. I know the Bruins are enjoying it because they just went five for six on points out west. And that was what we spent a lot of today's episode discussing. Me and Logan Mullen. Logan from Nested.com was back. Uh, but we discussed that. And we also discussed... Uh, the goaltending, because it's getting better just as Tuka Rask is looking to return. So interesting timing on that one, wouldn't you say? And then we also get into some lineup decisions in the bottom six, including Jake DeBrusque. And when we think that'll happen, clock's ticking. And we get into why the clock is ticking in this episode. Make sure to go support our sponsors, Bet Online and Insa. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Logan Mullen. <laughs> And we're here with Logan Mullen. Logan, what is up? Not a whole lot. What to do with you? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing's doing over here either. It's a quiet beginning of the week. The, we haven't seen each other in quite a while. Uh, Bruins obviously yeah. out. We have not. You have not been on for a few weeks. How was your? I don't know. Were you here? You were here uh, before Thanksgiving, I think. So I assume. Yeah, I think you, had, that's you, right. get, you get excited. You get in the Christmas spirit a little bit. I, I see am. the Christmas tree behind you. Yep, I I like Christmas. I I like the I like the vibe. I like the music. Uh, this tree over my shoulder. What's the wrong way? Um, <laughs> <laughs> get that that off to an awful start. Um, yeah, I I like Christmas. I'm I'm just vibing. Yeah, no, Christmas is one of those holidays I love because it's it's such a fun time of year. But the one thing about Christmas is once December 26th hits, I'm done. I don't want yeah. any more of it. Put all the stuff away. I don't want to hear the music. I just want it gone. And then we hit like the dog days of winter. So right. it's just kind of like, let me, let me just, let me take this all in. Let me get ready for January and February when it's just cold and there's nothing to really look forward to. So, um, but anyways, for Bruins fans, the past week or so has been pretty good, which yeah. we haven't said a ton this year. Um, they, they take five of six points in this Western road swing without Bruce Cassidy, mind you. Yeah. Uh, from the trip, I gotta say, I was not ex- after that Vancouver shutout loss or shootout loss. Yeah. I was thinking to myself, oh man, you get the Oilers and you got it the plane. Bad quick. It could have got really bad, but it didn't. It did not go so bad. What were sort of your thoughts on that road swing? Well, I have to say, I don't watch Calgary a whole lot. Um, however. I don't, I don't think anyone does out here. It's hard to say. I mean, they're out west. They're 10. Like, we're not watching them that much. Yeah. I, I try and watch, like, those western teams in the morning when I can. But, like, it, it's tough. And when they were in Boston, whatever it was, like a month ago, and they put the beat down on the Bruins with Fladar and Net, I was incredibly impressed with them and just how structured they were. And to me, the win over the Flames was probably their finest performance much of the season, really. I mean, yeah. a convincing win over a very good team. Um, you know, that 
I think the bigger thing, though, is the fact that things didn't go haywire for them. Like, you brought up the Vancouver thing. You could kind of, in a way, see the writing on the wall with that Vancouver loss. Like, the Canucks have been playing well under Boudreaux for the three days that he had been there. And, (laughs) you know, they, they just looked like they had jumped. They looked like they were rejuvenated. And so, you know, to get a point there is fine, whatever. Uh, but the fact that they didn't let that ultimately sink them uh, was probably the most impressive thing to me because I think that will ultimately be what either gets the Bruins into the playoffs or allows them to miss it. So if you think back to, what was it, it was uh, the 2015-16 season when they lost on the last day to Ottawa. And, you know, that team just looked lifeless. They looked beaten down much of the season. And, you know, when you thought that they might fold, they typically folded. I see, in a way, some of that sort of mid-2000s Bruins in this team in that, at this point, they're probably not going to win out with talent. They're they're right in the middle of the road in the conference in terms of talent, at least with the way it's performing now. If they can, if they have enough resolve and ability to close out games, something they weren't great at doing earlier in the season, then I think that will be what kind of pushes them into playing into April and maybe May. So the fact that they didn't curl up and die after that Vancouver loss, especially against Edmonton and Calgary, I think is something they absolutely can hang their hat on. Yeah. I mean, again, this road trip felt like it had all the uh, ingredients for a terrible performance. I mean, you know, you have no sec home sick with not on COVID related illness. You got a Cassidy home sick with COVID and then you're kind of, coming in shorthand you're not playing that well anyways the goaltending is kind of iffy you're going against two really good western teams in calgary and and edmonton and you lose that first game to vancouver kind of that oh my god it's kind of like one of those things i feel like and you mentioned it getting them in the playoffs i feel like if this team does go on a run right if this team goes on a run in the regular season and then in the playoffs they're in round two i feel like this is going to be the thing we go back and circle and say okay wait a second that was when it all began like that, yeah. this team was a middle of the pack team. This was no man's land kind of team. And then that road trip kind of changed everything. Now it could completely change if they lose the next two games or three sure. games or they, or they don't play as well coming up. They have Vegas tonight because Tuesday when people are listening, uh, and then the games the rest of the week. But this is something I think right now we can look at and say, okay, that's a, that's a fine performance. And those are good, two really good teams because you mentioned yeah. it with Calgary. Like that is a, that's not a bad team out there. Um, Kind of has the makings, especially with Sutter, of a team that could like low key do some damage in the playoffs. Weird to say that about a Canadian team, but you never know. Um, the Flames are weird. The, the Flames are weird yes. because it felt like they are always on the precipice of just having Brad Tree Living blow it up and be like, we're totally starting new. Like, we'll trade Kachuk, we'll trade Gaudreau. And then they ended up signing Blake Coleman, and Jacob Markstrom has been better. And now all of a sudden, it's like, wow, this team is very difficult to to be and they were in on or they they were somewhat in on jack eichel and that was a whole like thing that was oh maybe they'll get eichel too so yeah the flames are legit the the oilers are obviously legit canucks obviously not so much but good western road swing i think one of the big bright spots this road trip was the goaltending and it's really been the whole thing of december has been since the competitions come in, since Sweeney kind of called out Swayman and Olmark, and since Rask has been practicing, he was at practice on Monday with the main group, Jeremy Swayman, three games, 1.29 goals against average, 959 save percentage, is the reason that you got four points out of those three games. For sure. And then Linus Olmark, two games, uh, 
two goals against in each, but 40 plus saves in both. 952 save percentage. <laughs> Perfect timing, right? These guys are just as Rask is coming back and the, 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 the stove's heating up a bit. These guys are, are turning it up. So what is with the goaltending? I mean, obviously it's great to see them doing so well right now, uh, for the Bruins sake, but it does not make things easy when it comes to bringing Tuka Rask back. How is this all going to fit? Well, so my take on this is it actually makes it easier to bring Tuka Rask back. So Ooh, I'm, in, I'm interested in this because I haven't heard I haven't heard this. You're always good for a take like this. I'm that's so against the grain. I, I I wrote this yesterday, and like most things I wrote, it was met with swift criticism. Um, <laughs> so we learned over the last know, week week and a half that the Bruins are going to be in a way living and dying with their goaltending, right? So. You know, the defense is leakier than it has been in years past. And now more than ever, the good goaltending is a pair. And I think as we kind of take a step back and look at everything, it's like, well, the Bruins started their season incapable of beating any, you know, largely good team. It was at that time, too, that Linus Olmark was particularly bad. Uh, and, you know, Swayman has been, I think, mostly good this season. Very few of the losses he's played in, he deserves much blame at all. Like, I think he's largely absolved of that. Um, he's had clunkers here and there. But is there any more validation that you need now after seeing how they just played against Calgary and Edmonton that they need super reliable goaltending? And that's not the most earth-shattering thing, but I would look at that and say, well, why not shore up that position even more by bringing back Rask on short money? And I get the whole roster crunch thing. You can send Swayman to Providence. You can. Like, if Rask is good enough, you send Swayman to Providence. This idea that you'll ruin his development or whatever is just false. Like, there's nothing wrong with him getting more playing time down in Providence and you know, Olmark's the backup. And I know that it would be tough to send a goalie who's been performing well down so you can fit Tuka Rask back in, but let's also not lose sight of the fact that Tuka Rask is still playing. The last we saw him, I should say, was still playing at a borderline Vezina caliber uh, level. So to me, a good stretch for Olmark and Swayman, even if they, keep playing like world beaters for the next month until Rask presumably would be ready should, in my opinion, not be the impetus for not bringing Rask back. I just looked this up. Jeremy Swayman has a career nine games in Providence. Nine. I mean, this kid is young. He's 23. Like it is totally okay for him to go down to Providence. Now, is it tough to send a guy who's hot down to Providence? Yes. That's never easy. But for someone like him, just continue your development down there in a sense, you know, like I think that I think that can work. And I think the Bruins believe that that can work. Um, And I also think with a with a team like the Bruins right now, at least they're on the second wild card spot. Presumably they are. They probably won't crack the top three in the Atlantic, at least at the rate they're going. I think they're going to have to sneak in through the wild card. Florida is too good. Tampa, you know, when they get, you know, maybe Kucherov and point back and. Toronto, like those are three solid teams up there. It's hard to beat those guys. So it might be the wild card spot. Every point, and this sounds so cliche, but every point is going to matter. And as you said, why not bring in a guy like Rask who's going to steal you games? It hasn't been until recently 
until December. I don't, I don't think I can look at a game in October, November and point to a time when either Olmark or Swayman stole a game for you, right? Like, as you said, Swayman was never bad. He was good, but that was, a, it was good. You know, it was fine. Now you're getting games stolen, which is great, but it's hard to say there's evidence of that being forever. Rask is a guy who steals you games. He's stolen you games for a decade. If, if Rask can come in and steal you three or four games of the 14 or 15 he'll play maximum, that could be what gets you into the playoffs. It could. So the people yeah. who, the, the people who don't want Rask back, what is for cheap money? Why would you, and again, all markets have been good, but why would you want to rely solely on them when they were not stealing games before? So to me, it, I think it's fine. I do. Uh, and it also, Leaves room, I guess, if there's injury too. You can yeah. bring Swayman up. And I'm sure Swayman will be brought up at some point. Yeah. Well, the drum I always beat with this is Carter Hart. And, like, Carter Hart has rebounded this year. But the Flyers put all their eggs in that basket. Now, their approach was different because they didn't really get him a competent backup. But they liked what they saw from a, whatever he was, 21-year-old Carter Hart and thought, all right, well, this is the guy. Let's just keep trotting him out here. And even after they had a larger sample size and you thought you knew who Carter Hart was, he goes plummeting back to earth and the Flyers are hosed. So, and again, that's a little different now because he's rebounded and everything. But I think the easy comparison here is probably what the Rangers went through when they had Lundqvist, Gorgiev, and Shesterkin. And they basically played out a season with the three of them. It's obviously not ideal carrying three goalies. But I think because you don't know what Rask is right now, it would, to me, make sense to carry three goalies on the roster, a spare forward, a spare defenseman, instead of three skaters as your scratches. Uh, and that's if you don't want to send Swainman down. I think they still could and would be totally fine. And if you need to bring him up, you bring him up. Um, but I can see a path to them if they really needed to, carrying three goalies to get them through this season. Then you get to the off season and you say, okay, well, where's Rask at? Is this sort of a long-term play where there's three more years left on Olmark's deal? We'll trade him now versus, all right, well, this Rask thing was just a few month experiment. He's going to hang him up. Uh, and, you know, basically they just carried three goalies for four months. I think that it's okay to approach things from that standpoint because it's such a unique circumstance. Uh, I also think it's okay to send Swayman down. I am just firmly of the belief that it would be nonsense to not bring back Rask if he's going to play for cheap and he's healthy. And you're trying to win now. Like, again, right. you're not hurting Swayman's development, and you want to win now. Who gives you the better chance to win tomorrow? Tuka Rask or Jeremy? Well, not tomorrow, but in a month, right, when he's back. Rask or Swayman? I love Swayman, but I think it's Rask. Uh, again, like, you're trying to win now, and that, to me, is the right route to trying to win now. I don't see the, the, the huge issue with that. And obviously people say, oh, well, Rask is a choker. Rask, you know, no Stanley Cups. Now, let's just say for argument's sake, let's say you, you want to see, let's say he was a huge choker in the playoffs, right? Is there any guarantee this team makes the playoffs? Who's no. getting them there to the playoffs in the first place? Yeah. Rask. So even if you think Rask is the biggest choking dog in the playoffs ever, which he isn't, but let's say you think that, that still doesn't apply to this argument because you no. need to get to the playoffs first. You need to get there first. You're not there. And it's not a guarantee. This is not years past. And part of the reason you were a guarantee in the years past was because Duke Rask was in that. So it's funny how that works. Because to me, I always see whenever people 
disagree with it, it's always, well, he's no cops. He's a choker. It's like, okay, even if that was the case, you're not in the, you're not in the playoffs yet. You're not even guaranteed. You're not even close. So, I mean, take it further, right? Most of the criticism is that he chokes in clinching games, right? He has dragged some Bruins teams places they shouldn't have been. Um, Oh, yes. You know, so 2017. If you want to talk about a guy having a body of work of getting Bruins teams further than they even should be in the first place, Tuba Rask is your guy. And I got news for you, too. If he's broken, if he comes back and whatever, the hip surgery just completely ruined him for some reason, you put him on waivers. And that's a very unsettling ending to his what would likely be his NHL career if he came back and was so bad that they had to put him on waivers. But, like, it's not like this is a lifetime commitment here. Also, it's probably for, like, $2 million. It's a prorated deal. This is not going to be, like, breaking the bank. Um, And I think the upside far shoots the downside. But it's a pretty good bet that Tuka Rask uh, will be pretty good with the Bruins when he returns. Another great bet is our friends over at Bet Online. They have you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues their march to the playoffs. Patriots, how about that? The bye week this week, but they get help from the the Buccaneers and Brady getting them past the Bills. Yeah, yeah, he's he's still killing it. But Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC. Right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts again. Promo code CLNS50. Yeah. How about the Bucks? And they almost blew it too. That was the worst part. They yeah. almost blew it. It was almost reverse Brady in a sense. So good to see that. That entire game. day of football was truly awful up until the last hour of the four o'clock slate. Yes. Yes. I, I was, I was working for NCAA.com. My, 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 everyday job during that. So I actually didn't watch that. I actually watched a D1, the D1 men's soccer national championship. So that was my... That was probably more captivating. Oh, 100% it was actually. It was a very good game. I'm not even a huge soccer guy, but I was like, this is a great game. So uh, anyways, back to hockey. <laughs> Let's talk about D1 soccer for the rest of the podcast. I think people would be pumped. Um, another big takeaway from this trip was keeping Eric Halla on the wing. Now he was on the wing with Coyle and Smith for the length of Marshan's suspension. Then when Marshan came back, he was put as third line center. Wasn't the same. Felt like his impact was felt a lot more on the wing. Do you think this is something they should keep going forward? You might as well ride it out for a little while. I mean, I think in, in, to a different level, the hollow on the wing thing, similar to the coil on the wing argument that they had to deal with the last couple of years where it's like, yeah, I mean, you could put coil on the wing, but ultimately are probably better if he's just, playing up to his capabilities at center. But if he's not, then you have to put him in a position to succeed. Like, that's ultimately what coaching is, right? And the version of Eric Hall that we've seen on the wing is vastly different than the one centering a line. So I think that's part of the reason the Bruins signed a crap load of guys who can center and play on the wing. So, like, I mean, I don't think it would ever get to a point where they put Polino at center, but, like, they could, and Nosek's back, and Frederick looks better as a center. So Nika's still... 
you know, kicking around in Providence. Steen's a natural center. So there's enough versatility there where if I were the Bruins, I'm not losing any sleep over putting Hall on the wing if it's really going to make him that much better of a player. Like the way things were the first month to six weeks of the season simply were not sustainable for anybody. Like he could not keep playing that way. The Bruins could not keep trotting him out there. Uh, and whether it's the healthy scratch or the fact that he's playing on the wing uh, is the difference maker, then – I don't know, just do what you can to get the most out of him. Um, you know, I, it seems like he's just better equipped for the wing at this point, especially because he did, after the scratch, later on go back to centering the third line. It was just kind of nondescript. And just defensively as a center, I, I didn't love his game. And I think, again, like I'd rather have a guy who is not great in his own zone on the wing than at center. I think that's just natural. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I would, again, as you, you put it great, like they have other options at center. It's not like it has, it's not like, it's not like coil where you're, you signed him big money to be the third line center. It's you signed him and to be in the bottom six. And as long as he can do his job on the wing, then what do you like? No big deal. Again, if you want to have no as the third line center and Frederick as the fourth or, uh, well, you wouldn't do Felino, obviously, but if you could, if you want to just do Nosek as the third line center and Frederick as the fourth, I think you have something there. Yeah. Do you have any other ideas for that for the bottom six? Any other combinations, it's, Coach Mullen? Not, not really. I I love just turning on the blender, but like my thing is, once this is going to sound worse than I probably intend for it to, but once you put Tomas Nosek on your third line, you're probably admitting defeat. Like. I know that he played on, I think it was the third line wing for Vegas on occasion, uh, and they've used him all up and down the lineup, but Tomas Nosek is definitely a better asset for the Bruins if he's playing a fourth line center role, because they were cooking with that uh, bleed Nosek Lazar line, and just... My thing is, all right, you're going to start taking away from lines that have worked in order to try and make something work on the third line. Like, I, you know, I'm not of the belief that they should start just burying guys and have the third line be some sort of black hole for them. But it's kind of at the point now where, well, I guess you kind of have to put Frederick, in my opinion, put him on the third line, put him with Halla, uh, put him with Pullman or Felino or whoever you're putting him with. Uh, because at least with Halla, it's somebody that can sort of take the burden. Like, he knows how to center a line. So he can take some of the burden off of Frederick. Um, and he does have scoring ability. Like, that's the thing is you got to kind of find a way to get him going. So to me, it's like don't start disrupting other lines that had been working in order to just shoehorn in a, a new-look center for Eric Halla. Like, yeah, I just – Oh, I, I just see like with the, with the Nosek thing, you, it, you mentioned admitting defeat and it, and it kind of enhances the thing that we've talked about all year, which is they have guys playing up, whereas they don't have guys playing down, right? Winning teams right. have guys playing down. Coil on the third line. Now he's on the second. Um, you know, Zaboral, whenever that news comes out, uh, you know, playing like last year when he was like a top pairing defenseman at points. Right. Now this year he looked good and unfortunately he's hurt right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't mind the idea of Frederick as the third line center. I think, I mean, I've been someone all along who said you drafted Frederick in the in the first round, right? Obviously, we know now, and we kind of knew then. Probably wasn't a first round pick. Nevertheless, try him in a, in that kind of role where it's not just a grinding role. Try him in a you know, can we get some offense out of this line with Felino and Hala on his wings? Maybe that works out better. Um, 
I don't love the idea of Nosek on the fourth line. I just think he's a little more, he's, he's more reliable. You know, you know that you're going to get something probably at least admirable out of him. You're not going to get a ton of scoring. You get something, but I agree. I mean, the fourth line with him, um, Lazar and, um, oh God, bleed. But how can I forget Anton bleed? Uh, that fourth line was great. So. I don't know. I think the interest that, that third line is going to be interesting. I think Hollis, you're going to see more points uh, with the wings, but the big question mark in the bottom six, Logan, the big question mark is Jake DeBrusque. When this deal gets done, because that's when you can move Holla to the wing. That's when you can say, okay, you can be the third line left winger without issue. Um, DeBrusque has been on that fourth line. He's produced what well, he's got two goals uh, in two his goals, time yeah, since requesting six. a deal. So that's not horrible. You know, he's, done his thing some games he's still kind of no, uh, no, not noticeable kind of just enhances the fact that he needs to be traded when do you think this happens because it feels like again Sweeney's doing the right thing in waiting for the right offer to come in but at the same time it's like this dude's got to get out of here at some point well you can't wait too long right <laughs> because then yes. teams are going to forget because in my opinion if the Bruins are going to trade DeBrusque the best possible thing they can do is trade them within the next week or two, like before the end of the year, because the problem that they're going to run into if they sit on it too long is the trade deadline will come around. And all of a sudden, Jake DeBrusque isn't the only guy out there that you can start trading for. And I know that he's not the only guy there now, but you know he's drumming up a lot more interest than he probably would if all of a sudden in late February, it's, oh, Jake DeBrusque is available. So that's where I kind of get a little bit stuck is, you know, yeah, they need to wait out and they shouldn't rush for a weird offer. But at the same time, they also shouldn't, you know, I don't know, sit around for months on end waiting for him to get moved. In my opinion, I think that we've still got waiting to do before he gets moved. I could be totally wrong. I don't, I really don't think they're in a rush, but I just can't believe they're playing him. I can't wait until uh, Jake DeBrus gets traded Tuesday morning after like, yeah, the, the, right before, right after the straps. I cannot wait for that. I hope um, you have plans because you'll have to cut this entire thing. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to. I'll have to re-record this. But I agree. I don't think it's happening anytime soon. And it is bizarre to see him out there. It was cool, I guess, to see him score with his dad uh, broadcasting yeah, the game. Sure. Like that. That's worth it. Um, but again, it's it's just it's an it's a weird situation to see him out there when it's like he clearly doesn't want to be there. Um, and you know, we can get into whether or not that's valid. I mean, I think it kind of is, but he also has had effort issues in the past. But it is an odd thing out there. Um, and and I'm interested to hear your take on this because you have not been on since the DeBrusque news broke. It's kind of a debate of is he a one for one guy who you trade just for a it's probably gonna be for a struggling winger or a struggling player or a younger player, as Elliot Friedman reported, or do you package him? Do you find a way to put him with a prospect and a draft pick or whatever to get something better, right? Like, let's say you did DeBrusque. I could be way off here because I'm not the best at trade proposals. But if you did, like, DeBrusque, a second, and, like, a prospect for, like, Brock Besser, right? Do you, Would you rather do that or would you rather do the one-for-one? One? Probably a bigger package uh, because it would depend on who the one-for-one one is. Like... I, I'm i trying to think of one of the guys he was kicked around with. Because, like, the the idea that had been sitting around for a while that is obviously not applicable anymore was Jake Vertanen. Um, 
before he ended up rightfully suspended. But like that was somebody that I had no interest in if I, from a Bruins standpoint, because like how much of a reclamation project do you really want to take on? And the Bruins have a habit of really stockpiling assets and, you know, this guy's untouchable, that guy's untouchable. And, you know, there's a certain level of, well, if you can use a player in DeBrusk that actually wants to be out and spin it into something where you have to spend a little more, but you get more of a proven commodity if it is a, you know, a Brock Besser or, you know, a hurdle. It would take more than what your proposal was. But, like, somebody oh, yeah. of that ilk where it's like, well, we're going to have to move DeBrusk anyways. We might as well try and trade for a game-changing or an impact player then I have no issue with that. At the same time, I think maybe one of the reasons it's taking so long is because the Bruins kind of need to see where they're at, right? Because that could be the holdup here is what happens if the Bruins trade prospects and picks with DeBrusque in order to get that big player, and it turns out there are just too many holes on this team and you just mortgaged assets for a team that was going nowhere. We really don't know, as of whatever today is, December 13th, how good the Bruins are. Like, we've seen a little bit of both. So, right now, if they were to do a deal very soon, I would think it would be one for one because there's way less risk in that. But when you're starting to talk about moving assets beyond the brusque, like, it's not entirely shrewd to be doing doing that at this point in the season. Yeah. No, it, you're 100% right. And we'll get right back to this topic in a second. But there's always something, topics like this can get people amped up, right? It gets you a little jacked up. You know, you gotta, you gotta calm down a bit. So we're gonna talk a little bit about cannabis, specifically Massachusetts premier cannabis dispensaries, INSA, I-N-S-A. They're the premier because the founders, Pat and Pete, re-engineered the cannabis model from what they sell to how they sell it while never forgetting it is for everyone. INSA dispensaries are inviting and modern. So come in, even if it's just to learn more. The staff are authorities on the science who answer every question from differences between flowers and concentrates to offerings for insomnia and anxiety, or just want to hang out with some friends. Nothing wrong with that. Insa has a world-class chef too, and only hires the most respected growers who perfected their craft when it wasn't so legit. One last thing. The Insta founders are not just some dudes from Silicon Valley, but they're lifelong pals from Springfield. This is another local team to root for, and that is Ansa in Salem, East Hampton, Boston Delivery, and two Springfield locations, Logan Mullen, the pride of Springfield. Yep, that's including, in, Yep, exactly. We got that down now, including just off I-91 beside the MGM Casino. Mentioned we said to stop by for a sweet t-shirt for a penny or go to Insta.com or 877-500-INSA. Again, 877-500-INSA. You know, Marina Mar has been on lately. And she's been, she, I believe is either from Springfield or went to Springfield college. I think she's from Springfield or from that area. Um, or she has some connection to, she has some connection to Springfield. And I was like, damn, everyone's coming on has some connection to Springfield. I love it. I have none. It's a lovely place. It's a beautiful, it's the, it's the Boston of the West. That's what everyone's saying. Um, yes, but to continue the DeBrusque conversation, um, you meant the, the interesting thing you mentioned is that they don't know where they're at. And that's a very valid point. Like, they don't, right? You don't want to be trading uh, a, pr- a big prospect, like even a Stadnika and a, an important second round pick, right? And missing out on chances to draft guys. You look at, obviously, those draft picks in second and third and fourth kind of people get disposable with, but the reality is those are very important, right? Like 
Martian wasn't a first round pick. Brandon Carlo wasn't a first round. I mean, you can go down the list. At the same time, though, they do need to. The window is. This sounds so cliche again. The window is closing. But I always go back to Brad Martian. When you have Brad Martian on your team, the way he's playing, you've got to find a way to compete. You've got to find a way to at least be a threat for the second or third round in the playoffs. And I just would be. I think everyone would be disappointed in them if they didn't go all out with Bergeron still here, Marshan still here, um, Rask potentially coming back. I just look at that and say, that's a missed opportunity. And I almost would rather them go balls to the wall and miss than just kind of get a second round, you know, get a third or fourth for DeBrusque or something of that nature and just kind of hang around, right? out in the first round, or even even not even making the playoffs? What are kind of your thoughts on that? Well, you have to try, right? So you the easy thing to look back on is like the Rick Nash trick. They yes. gave up a ton for Rick Nash, and that didn't work out. It was nobody's fault. He just couldn't stay healthy. But I, I ultimately don't know how much. Like you, They lost a legitimate NHL player in Ryan Lindgren. Uh, which at the time he was just a prospect, right? But, you know, you look at that deal and it's tough to hold a whole lot against the Bruins because it was like they were playing pretty well that season. And it was like, hey, here's a guy that is a legitimate second line winger that's going to help this group out. It didn't work out, but you can look back on it and say they went for it, they tried. I don't think you can do that every year, but I think it does send a good message to a team and to a fan base for that matter when you say, we, we believe in these guys. Now you have to find the line, right? Because the Bruins don't want to turn into the Kings or the Blackhawks or one of these teams where they end up cratering because they go all in and they go all in and over and over again. And then, like, eventually you pay the piper for that. Um, to make a baseball analogy, the Detroit Tigers have been irrelevant for, like, eight years because yes. Dombrowski kept trading every prospect on the planet to make that. He's doing it the Red Sox too. (laughs) Yeah. They never won anything in Detroit, but every year in the early 2010s, you could say, well, that team's trying. Um, So ultimately I will, it's tough to talk myself in or out of either theory because I think it's completely situational and there are just circumstances that we don't know yet, but I don't think it ever sends a bad message to try and swing one of those big deals, even if from an outsider's perspective, it's like, well, I'm not sure if this is the team you, you know, put all your cards on the table for, but you know, at a certain point it is, well, you only have Marshawn Bergeron and potentially Rask for so long. You might as well try and cash in. And I didn't think last year's team was going all in on four, but again, they didn't, they didn't have to give up much for Taylor Hall in relation, right? I mean, Bjork, Bjork was on the outs anyway. Second round pick, you never like to just deal out, but they got that, they got a third round pick back for Vladar that they gave to, or no, they gave the third round pick to Ottawa for Mike Riley. That wasn't a ton for Riley. And then they got a third round pick back for Vladar. So you kind of reinforced yourself there. So you didn't give up a ton for solid talent at the time. Right. I don't know if you're able to do that this year. I don't think that, I don't know if that's like, you know, you can't just replicate that. Like, Oh, we're going to not give up a lot for much better players this year. Um, so I don't know. I, I, again, I just think that it's a little bit smart to probably try to go all in. You mentioned the Kings and the Blackhawks. They did win 
cups right. though. That's the one thing. Like they got cups. So like that, yeah. I think that a lot of Bruins fans and us reporters kind of feel the same way. Like this core is great, but they probably should have one more cup. Obviously we look at 2019, yeah. right? But I don't know if this team with a deadline move is a definite to contend for the cup, but I know they're closer if they go out and somehow get, you know, flip DeBrusque in a prospect and a draft pick for Besser than they are with like DeBrusque or Mason Appleton on their team for that matter. Yeah, so. the, the Mason Appleton thing is what I don't <laughs> understand. And I know no. Friedman just guessing, but like with all due respect to Mason Appleton, Jake DeBrusque is so much more valuable of an asset at his ceiling, like in terms of being a demonstrated product of the NHL where you can point and say, this guy's a 40 point guy at two points in his career. Um, I'm not sure if you're spinning that for Mason Appleton. Yeah, no, not a fan of Mason Appleton stuff or the Evander Kane stuff, which was weird. I saw your tweet about this because I tweeted a meme about this and I kind of, in the quotes, it was like kind of, I made it sound as if it was like fully reported. And then I saw your tweet and I was like, that's a valid point. Like nobody like straight reported it. So I was a, a bitch and deleted it. Uh, it was still <laughs> oh, funny. I'm still, really? I deleted I, it. Cause I was like, I, I'm still bringing it back. I, it's going to be, that meme will be brought back at some point. I'm not going to say what the meme was. Cause I'm, I'm still going to reuse it. I'm totally recycling that if it gets reported as legit. But then I actually looked at stuff and was like, wait a second, those things weren't so, really reported. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can speculate that they were there. So I should have kind of maybe put in quotes speculating, but you know, so <laughs> it's funny. I did not see your tweet. So that was not me subtweeting you by any stretch. I, there's just, I don't think that people understand. Let, let me pause real quick. During my many, many fine years in Springfield, Massachusetts, at yes. one point I interned for the then Springfield Falcons in their media relations department. So one of my roles was always compiling like those lists of who was going to be there and all that stuff. There are, at your ho-hum, run-of-the-mill AHL game, five, six scouts on the schedule for every single game. And, like, I know that a thing some reporters like to do is tweet out the list of scouts who are there. Um, it's so often it is so random. Like, it's, scouts are regional. So Yes, people forget this a lot. In all sorts of different places. So I, I saw it being painted, and it, let me say, Curtis Pashelka, who is the guy who tweeted the list, who works for, uh, who covers the Sharks uh, for the newspaper in San Jose, which is escaping me. He literally just tweeted, these are the I think it's the Mercury are, News. Uh, the Mercury News, that's what it is. He tweeted literally just, here are the list of guys in. There are no editorializing on his part, no issues with him. Some people were taking that as... You know, because of the way some Boston reporters spun it was, well, the Bruins sent a guy specifically to see Evander Kane. There was no mention of them, you know, they are here to see Evander Kane. It's quite possible that the Bruins already had planned on being at that game, that their West Coast scout or whoever was going to be there. So this notion that the Bruins, like, quote unquote, sent a guy to watch Kane is possible but definitely not something anybody could glean from a list of scouts at an AHL game. Like it's just, that's not the way that that works. Yeah, no, you're hundred percent right. And that is an interesting thing because uh, it, 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 they're always at NHL games too. There's a ton of scouts, right. right. From teams, the Bruins are, will never make deals with. They're just there. They're watching the game. They're, they're trying to look for stuff. They're again, regional 
Like there was one uh, scout I was talking to on the elevator up at the garden a, a month ago. And he was, uh, I won't say what team he was with, not that it matters, but I'm not going to get into specifics on stuff. But he was saying, oh, I'm going to this. I'm going to go here. I'll be here again on Thursday and then I'll go to a Providence game. I assure you, he's not looking at like, oh, I'm looking at a certain player. It's just kind of like looking for different little things. Um, technically, the Bruins did see Evander Kane, though. The, the scout did. did see Evander Kane. So technically, technically, they did see Evander Kane. But yes, there was nothing that was set in stone like, oh, they're here because Evander Kane's here. Um, the best, so. if I can add, the best response that I got to that tweet was from Patrick Williams, who covers the AHL better than anybody. Like his job is literally covering the AHL, which rocks. And he said, I've met scouts who will put a certain game on their schedule just because they like the media meal spread at that, uh, at that arena. That's tremendous. The other ones. So it's like, it's that random sometimes. Like those guys are out there doing fact finding missions. Like a scout going to an AHL game is probably sitting there saying, is there anyone buried in the minors right now who we should probably put on our radar for down the road or something like that? Yeah, no, exactly. So the Evander Kane stuff, I my guess is Evander Kane has not become a Boston Bruin. Just my hunch. I don't see that ever happening. Uh, again, could be totally wrong, but I think I'm probably right on that. Uh, anyways, Logan, before you head out, what can the people look forward to over at Nesson? The Nesson Bruins podcast, as always. And uh, yeah, Nesson.com slash... Bruins or slash Boston Bruins. I forget which one. Ooh. I should probably know that. But uh, plenty of <laughs> it's great some, work. It's one of the two. It's one of the two. It, it, you'll get there eventually. Um, plenty of fine, fine work from myself and others, if I may grandstand for a moment. So, yeah, works for me. Know, that's Peep. same old. People go over and support. It's great stuff. Anyways, Logan, thank you for joining. For CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You, Bruins, be listeners. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you.